This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. Well, we are really switching gears now. What does it mean when there's no prescription or a prescription is no longer required for a medication or when your trusted therapy suddenly moves behind the counter? Prescription and over-the-counter switches are more common than you might think, and these changes can affect everything from product availability to what's covered by your insurance plan. I'm here with our trusted contributor, Billy Chung, from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. He's here to fill us in, and before we get right to it, let me give you the numbers again because he is also here to answer your questions. The numbers 416 360 toll free 1 866 740 Billy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Libby. Uh, so, uh, People probably aren't aware. Um, give me some of the common medications that have become over-the-counter after being prescription. Yeah, you know, uh, when you go out to the, the prescription counter outside of the, the pharmacy, uh, you, you'll see different products now that are available. Like, for example, one, one that comes to mind is Aleve, which some people are seeing now. That's uh, relatively uh, new that's been out there. Um, you would have also seen, like, a few years ago, Zantac came out. Uh, and, and these would have been familiar to people because they would have had to get a prescription from their doctor before. And uh, there's a whole process. And what happens is at some point in time, those medications got switched to being available without a prescription. And so uh, why does that happen? It's um, uh, the, the whole prescription piece is very complex in terms of just uh, approvals and things like that. And it's managed by Health Canada. So Health Canada looks at what is a drug and what isn't a drug. And when they look at what is a drug, they look at the safety profile, the experience, um, whether it needs the supervision of a a healthcare practitioner, essentially. And if that's deemed something where you need to see a doctor for it, and, and, and newer drugs, things that haven't been on the market very long, doesn't have a lot of history in terms of side effects and things that maybe they know about the safety profile, typically will go on a prescription drug list. Um, If, for some reason, it's deemed not, and sometimes a manufacturer may apply for that. So they will submit an application to Health Canada and say, listen, we think this drug is safe for use under certain situations. They'll apply for it. There's a whole review process. It takes months and months uh, to get through. Um, But certain drugs will get switched over where it's deemed, you know what, this can be done differently. It doesn't have to have a prescription. Uh, And in in Canada, what you have is you have certain drugs that are available just behind the counter without a prescription. So, so in other words, you need to ask the pharmacist for it. And those are ones where the pharmacist probably needs to at least check to make sure that there's no major conflicts, make sure that maybe there needs to be some monitoring around it when people are taking it. What um, are some examples of those? Uh, so a most recent example that was switched over from prescription is called omeprazole. Some people may know of it called uh, Losec. Okay? And it's a medication used to treat uh, basically heartburn, stomach acids, too much 
stomach acid in your in your system. Uh, so a little bit, uh, I would probably say stronger than like a ranitidine, the Zantax and things like that. They're available outside on the other side of the counter. Um, so that one currently is available behind the counter. You can ask the pharmacist for it. Um, or when you're speaking with a pharmacist about maybe a heartburn condition and you've tried other drugs, it gives that pharmacist another option before you need to go see the doctor potentially to say, you know what, there's one more medication. Let's talk about it. But this is available behind the counter. And it's, it's a monitored access in terms of how that works, right? Um, and then there's other drugs that are available in the pharmacy only, but you can still self-select, which means you can go into the pharmacy, pick it on your own. You don't necessarily need to speak to anybody about it, but at least you know that the pharmacist is available to check in if you need to. Uh, and then there's a last class of drug medications that are unscheduled, which means they're available anywhere, uh, anywhere, non-pharmacy and things like that. But usually what you'll find those ones are is that the actual uh, number of medications and the number of pills in a bottle are usually much less, usually 24 tablets, 30 tablets, things like that. Um, so the, the whole idea here is just to make sure everybody has access to the, the care as well as uh, minimize risk for side effects and issues. Let me ask you this. When a manufacturer applies uh, to take something off of prescription, do they end up uh, making more money on over-the-counter <laughs> things or less? Because usually I would think the price is probably lower, but more people will get it. It's a, it's a very interesting question. I don't um, work for the manufacturer, so unfortunately yeah, I, I don't know get that. That's their, why I'm asking you. Their, their, their profit sheets. But um, the difference is when it's on a prescription, what it means is that the, um, uh, the medication in terms of its usage is generally driven by the physician or potentially by a pharmacist who's doing a medication review and might recommend something to the doctor to prescribe, right? So, uh, which is different than if it's over-the-counter and available in the general area of a pharmacy, the manufacturer has a little bit more control because what happens is that they can market it. They can drive market share. They can actually promote it a lot more and create awareness and um, generate that more demand and interest where people will say, I want that medication or I need that medication. And you'll see, I mean, if you look at the advertising for uh, something as simple as acetaminophen, which is the brand name is Tylenol, um, it's been available on over-the-counter for, for many, many, many years. There's many different brands and manufacturers that make it. But guess what? Tylenol as a brand name, as a brand manufacturer, is still doing very well over-the-counter in, in pharmacies. A lot of people want the brand name. Um, whereas in, when you get a prescription, a lot of those genericized medications, the brand name is no longer being used uh, after a number of years when it's a prescription only because drug plans pay for the generic only, right? So it's a little bit more control. I would probably suggest that I would, if I were to guess, it's probably uh, more lucrative for them in a different way, but, but they have more control over it. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, what about things going the other way? Something that used to be available over the counter that goes behind? I'm thinking Tylenol 3, am I right? Uh, Tylenol 3 still needs a prescription. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's but Tylenol ones that are behind the counter. I think they've always been behind the counter. Um, so I did try to kind of look up anything recent that changed from on prescription to off, and it doesn't happen very often. Um, no, I, I'm asking about the other way, from being off, uh, prescri off prescription to, to on. on. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but I did um, pull up one that was uh, a few years ago, and I'll give you the reason why, is uh, pseudoephedrine, or as some people know the brand name is Sudafed. Okay, It used to be available, self selection. You can go into the pharmacy, go to the cough and cold section and get one of these. used to get it all the time. Exactly. Uh, stuffy nose uh, and, and when people had colds, right? It is now when it's only in just the one ingredient form of just pseudoephedrine, the chemical itself, in one tablet, no, nothing else, nothing for cough or, 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 or runny nose and things like that. It is now only available behind the counter. 
Okay, so you actually, it went from self-selection to having to ask the pharmacist for it. Um, the main reason for that is that it's actually prone to abuse. It's one of the uh, precursors to making crystal meth <laughs> for anybody who's walk, watched Breaking Bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so so there's, an, there's one reason, right? So um, the, the process is there. It can happen. Uh, but generally, it, it doesn't happen very often. If everything's done very well and over time, when something goes over the counter or self-selection, um, all the checks and balances have been made to make sure it's safe. Now, there have been some people that have argued that, you know, aspirin, if today was being looked at, whether it would need require a prescription, because there are lots of side effects with respect to aspirin and things like that. But the, the benefits outweigh the risks in many cases. People need to access, lots of people take once a day aspirin, and, you know, it's just more efficient for them. They don't need that supervision. They're aware they can access it, right? Okay. Um, let us go to the phones. We've got Siva in Toronto. Hello, Siva. Hello, Melibi. How are you? Fine. How are you? Okay. I want to ask the pharmacist one question about the B12 vitamin. Every medical book I've read said we only need 2.4 micrograms per day. But when you go to buy a, a bottle, it's saying 1,000 or 2,500. Why the excess? You know, that's a uh, hi, Siva. That's a, it's a good question. And uh, I think the answer is that um, most people don't need B12 supplementation. Okay, uh, it is usually in very specific cases where people have a, a, a deficiency in B12. So what you find when you're going to the pharmacy is typically the physician, a doctor, or clinician has recommended to somebody that they need to take B12, uh, and when they do need it, it means they need more than that typical recommended dose. So typically, you do see that uh, 1,000 or, or higher, um, and 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 that's generally kind of what what people are taking when they have a deficiency. Well, I think, like, there are a lot of people now the doctor is recommending it because mm -hmm. they say, like, the cows aren't eating the required amount of grass, which mm -hmm. contains. So a lot of elderly people find that they're deficient. But I, I think to have a bottle of 25 milligrams is quite quite a bit. Yeah. I feel like you'd overload yourself if you took that on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, what you should probably look at is, again, uh, physicians usually, when you're recommending B12, in many cases, they've taken blood tests already. They know what your levels are, and they're sh you're shown to be low in it. Um, in some cases, if they haven't done that, then really they, it, it could be simply just looking at maybe something will help, uh, and, and that extra supplementation may help, right? You'll find lower dosages in multivitamin tablets out there, or uh, B-complex vitamins may have a lower doses in that, but very specific. When you're buying B12, it's 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 got a certain dosage because that's kind of the recommended supplementation that's necessary for various deficiencies. Okay, Siva, okay. thanks for Thank your call. Bye-bye. You. Okay, yeah, let's take one more call before a break. Stephen Whitby. Hi, Steve. Hi. Go ahead. Hi, Steve. Yeah, I'm just wondering, when I go to my doctor and he gives me a prescription and I take it to the pharmacist and he says, you can't have this now because you still have some left over. And I say, well, what do I see? Well, when you get down to about a week's supply, then come back. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, the um, uh, typically what happens, and it, it really it varies from one person to another. It depends on your dosage and what your doctor is expecting you to take. But uh, what it really means is that you're coming in and it's probably an early refill. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, early refill means that you probably have several weeks to even a month or more. I've seen it in my pharmacy when I'm there. Is that some people may come a month and a half early, yeah. and there needs to be reasons for the early refill. So, and the main reason people are taking vacation. They need enough to last them over uh, right. a long period of time. Uh, or if they're going to a cottage and they're not coming back, it's an it's usually an access type of a situation. The main reason why pharmacies generally don't fill that beyond just making sure you don't have too much medication lying around, you really don't want too much medication lying around, is the drug plans also monitor and watch that. So when a pharmacy actually bills the drug plan, you can't bill it early either unless there's a specific exception or reason. Um, so usually that's at least two-thirds of the prescription being completed. So if it's a nine day supply, then it may be you can fill it about a few weeks to a month early. Um, but typically, the, the the payers, the people are paying it, also want to make sure that you're not too uh, early for your medications either. In some cases, they want to make sure that you're not taking too much of it, and, and it's just being cautious. Or like municipal employees <laughs> selling it on the street. Well, that's a whole different type of drug, yes. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's no, that's no reason to t- turn it down. I mean, they say the government's monitoring it. Give me a break. Do you think the government is monitoring thousands of prescriptions? Believe it or not, they actually come into the pharmacies and audit. And what yeah, happens when is they that come into the pharmacy, but when you refill it for me, yeah, they're not going to know. No, that's what they're they looking at. Your pharmacy. Yeah, Steve, believe it or not, that's what they look. They look at individual prescriptions and if they flag it, they see because their computer systems will flag early refills. Yeah. And what happens is it triggers and then what they do is they actually even claw back if the refill is too early. Some drug plans and it depending whether it's the government or not some plans actually uh, require the patient if they're early and they need it to, for example, because they're traveling, to yeah. actually pay and submit. So there is a lot of watch, watching over from the payer. And the second of all is obviously, again, just to make sure the, the medication. Steve, what's the problem with uh, waiting a little longer to get your refill? Because it means another trip to the pharmacy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe some pharmacies I mean, deliver. Why don't you get one of those? Yeah, I should do that because, I mean, I go in there and they said, oh, you got to wait. And I said, oh, I just got here from my doctor. You yeah. know, fill this thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. Th- thank you, Steve. Thanks for your help. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. We've got to take a quick break. I'm going to give the numbers again before we go to break. I'm here with Billy Chung. We are talking mainly about what happens when a prescription drug becomes over-the-counter and vice versa. If you have questions about that or anything else, he's here to take them. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740, and we'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with our trusted contributor, Billy Chung, from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We are talking about what happens when a prescription drug becomes available over or behind the counter. And we're taking your calls and your questions, so let's go right to the phones. We have Mark in Toronto. Hi, Mark. Hello there. How's everybody? Everybody's great. Go ahead. Great. Billy, uh, thanks for taking my call. I enjoy the show. Uh, This is the first time I've called in, but... Years ago, um, when uh, my son, who's on his own now, used to take reactant for uh, for allergies, and I know you you talked about Sudafed, but people were saying reactant's available as a prescription drug, you just break it in half, but you can also buy it over the counter. So that's, that sounds like a double dipping, really. I mean, I don't know. Is reactant also available as a prescription drug, and people have to pay more for it? 
It's, uh, it is available in a prescription strength. So it's uh, available in a strength that's higher than what you find over the counter. Right. Okay? Uh, so there's a tablet that your doctor can prescribe, and it allows for those situations where somebody needs something stronger than that. And it actually, it's a, it's a good thing that you raised there, Mark, because it, it's an example of just how the, the Health Canada and the scheduling system works, is that there's very specific criteria on drugs. So a lot of the over-the-counter stuff, and I'll use Aleve as another example, that's naproxen, um, it's only a allowed over-the-counter in 200-milligram tablets, and uh, anything higher than that is prescription strength. So the naproxen is actually available in 400-milligram, 600, like they have higher strength on prescription. And uh, right. just it's most recently it was switched over to say, you know what, the lower strength, we can allow people to use that without a prescription um, for a shorter duration of time uh, for self-medication purposes, right? Okay. Uh, so same thing with reactant. There is a higher strength on prescription available. Okay. People said, yeah, you just break it in half, but that's... that's uh, which is the same thing, dangerous. yeah. You, yeah. Break, you break the dose into... In, yeah. into so one, one quick question. The other one, when our kids were very young, our, prescri- our pedi- pediatrician used to say, uh, I'm going to prescribe you this drug, get the, bra- get the uh, brand name, not the generic, because even though you're paying more on your drug plan, the money, extra money goes into research and, and development. Is that a valid thing about today with generic versus brand name on prescription? Uh, I remember hearing that same statement uh, many years ago as well. I'd probably say today it, it really is a gray zone. We have generics that are making brand name drugs now. We have brand name companies that have generic um, drugs. Uh, it, it's a, a really an international business, and I wouldn't say that the lines are delineated anymore like they used to be when there was a lot of uh, pharmaceutical companies that were very separate. Um, so I, I think that there's probably value. There is value in both. I think there's value in brand name, and they get their shot through their patent patent life that they have in terms of being the only ones out there. And then once it's genericized, then the generic companies help to save the system money, which at the end of the day also helps everybody else as well. So yeah, okay, no, I appreciate that. That clears it up uh, immensely for That's me. I got I got a million other questions. Oh, so I'll okay. leave it for another day. Oh, okay, thank you, Mark. Bye bye. Bye. Margaret in Kitchener. Hello, Margaret. Hello. Well, Hi, here I am again commenting on pharmaceuticals. <laughs> um, I'm, I'd like to know why the doctors don't just uh, tell people to take a little bit of brewer's yeast every day. It contains all the B vitamins, and you need very little, and it's very inexpensive. Well, you know, it's a good question. Like, you can take a lot of different supplements as well. I guess it, it's really what the what the purpose is necessarily, right? So, uh, Margaret, I would probably say, I mean, if I were to recommend anything to people, obviously it's a, a good, healthy, balanced diet and exercise and getting your rest and, and so forth, and that's probably the healthiest way to get all your nutrients and, and, and supplements. Of course it is. However, yeah. <laughs> for those that are, in doubt, that are not getting enough, yeah. Uh, that would be the less expensive road to go. But yeah. That's never recommended. So, and I, I wouldn't say brewer's yeast is a really big thing. I, I hardly ever see it uh, anymore either in the pharmacy. Um, it's not in the pharmacy. It's in the bulk food store. Yeah. I, what do you call it? These uh, nutritional stores, things like that, they may have it no. as well, right? You can get in bulk food. Bulk food as well, right? Okay. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it, you know, if something works for you and you find that it's helpful and... Uh, oh, I, it's I, I don't need it. I, don't, I used to use it when I was brainwashed. But anyway, <laughs> I'd like to know why it also is never recommended that have a little pain. It's human to have pain. You don't have to take a pill every time you get a little pain. But they never say, say well, can you bear with it for a while? 
I well, think some people do. Sure they do. Yeah. I, I know people. Uh, I've, I've got one ask, at home. That's my family. Oh, I never take a pill. <laughs> never, ever. Never take a pill. Never do this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I will not take a pill. And the brain somehow co- compensates for that. And every time you get a pain, uh, the brain releases its own oxytocin. Okay, Margaret. (laughs) Thanks for your call. Thanks, Margaret. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, you know, some people want to take a painkiller. Some people don't. Some people take a cold med. Some people don't. I, and I, you know what? I think it has changed over the years now where uh, a number of years ago you, you used to go to the doctor. They tell you what to t- take and do, and you do it. And I think a lot of people now, because of access to information, uh, a lot more knowledge and availability of information, they're, they're, they're making decisions on their own, and they're, they're using uh, doctors, pharmacists for advice. But at the end of the day, they are making their own decisions. And it's not always a good thing. Uh, one of the things we've talked about here with, with you and other trusted contributors is so-called noncompliance. People get prescriptions. They don't take them or they don't take them all. And then, uh, you know, the the conditions don't improve or the doctors don't really know what's going on. That's also not good. Yeah, exactly. So I I think it's it's that balance of uh, I think it's a good thing that people have more access to information and knowledge. um, But it's a balance to also making sure that there are experts out there. They've gone to pharmacy school, medical school, and, and they, they study this stuff. And uh, you need to listen to them, understand what they're saying, balance that with what you're looking to do as well. And, yeah, and, and, and they know more than, than whoever you might be listening to on the Internet, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I mean, even when I buy some little over-the-counter rem- remedy, I always ask the pharmacist what they think because – that very reason, they know more than me. And and these are drugs, right? So when we talk about this over-the-counter um, uh, self-selection, I mean, just because it's available without a prescription, just because it's available where you can walk into a pharmacy, not ask anybody or speak to anybody and get it, they're still drugs. They're still medications. And there sti- still can be interactions, and there could be danger around it. And so it, it is important. People need to watch out. Well, exactly. I, I, I know that... People think certainly when something is a, quote, natural medication, they think it's completely benign, never anything bad is going to happen as a result of it. And that's simply not the case. I mean, just think about it. If something is going to do something good for you, then the opposite is possibly true as well. The the natural health products are still drugs as well. It's just a different form of it, and it's it's it's. Uh, I'd probably say one of the challenges with natural health products is the fact that they have more than one ingredient. Like we don't actually always know which ingredient in that. I know that is, is. Don't get me going active. on that. <laughs> I mean, we have access in our in, in most pharmacists do an access to a natural health uh, medicines database that helps to cross link based on studies um, your medication and natural health products as well, as best as we know and can. And because no one, nobody knows everything. The pharmacist, your doctor, they don't know everything that happens, but these databases at least tabulate that. Um, so it's always good. If you're buying vitamins and supplements and things like that, talk to the pharmacist because they can take a look and make sure and check for you, at least based on what is aware. Well, exactly, on whether it's going to interact with anything else you take. That's a really, really important message. And I thank you very much for that, Billy. Yeah, no problem. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.